When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Ladies Who London podcast, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex, and your co-host is Fiona. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering where to break into that sentence. I know. I was like, where are we going to let it break in? I don't know. I don't know. We still need. We still need to get our, our, our start a little bit more cohesive. Not that Emily and I ever managed anything wildly cohesive either. Even when we tried, it was an abject failure. Um, how are you, Fiona? I'm. I'm good. Yes. Good. 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 Um, I've, I've got a I've had a revelation oh steady on oh um because oh making the most of currently staying in Marylebone yeah um just just been for a little stroll in Regent's Park nice Very nice but it is the time of year of the London plane tree oh my goodness yes I was out yesterday and ju- I just cried the whole time Horrible. Oh, does it get in your eyes? It gets in my eyes. But it was one of those days where you see all of the all the yeah. little spores just floating across like snow and everybody was coughing and spluttering and getting things in their eye. Oh, it was horrible. Horrible. Yeah. So just in case anyone isn't isn't clear what we're what we're talking about here, <laughs> the, the London plane trees that you have all over London, they're really good at coping with pollution. They shed their bark and they're lovely and big and eight ten months of the year. They're fabulous. Yeah. But this time of year, horrendous because they drop all their fluff. Um, and it's you can just see it and... on the pavements. It's floating in the air. And what I get is it feels like a small bird is making a nest in the back of my throat. Yeah, because the pollen is wicked. Yeah. I don't I don't get what's it pollenitis? What's it called? Hay fever. Hay fever. Only thing that affects me are the plane trees. Yeah. And I just cough and splutter, my eyes stream, and it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So the only thing I think that works against them is oh. vocal zones. Okay. I thought you were going to say hazmat suit. Oh, are you, right. do, you, do you know the vocal zone? I do know vocal zone, yeah. Oh, so, Forrester, darling. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the revelation. Yellow vocal, vocal zones. zones. Okay. This, this is wonderfully uh, visual for our listeners. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So I'm holding up a packet of... I, I did shout yellow at the same time to try and make it clear. <laughs> Um, so honey and lemon, right. vocal zones, which are slightly less vicious. Okay. This is but, the niche content you all came here for, gang, isn't it? This is the niche guiding yeah. throat etiquette. 
But I don't think it's just guides. I mean, it's, okay. it's particularly problematic for us, but there are other people around there who may may suffer the same issues. And if you do, they 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 basically have something in them that I think anaesthetizes your throat slightly. So that that's the thing that works. Well, there you go. Anyone travelling to London uh, at this time of year, put it on your packing list. Vocal Zone Yellow. There we go. Yeah, or or red <laughs> if you like menthol and eucalyptus. Fabulous. Uh, we're not on retainer for these guys, are we? I don't know. No, but we should uh, be. I should be, because especially <laughs> at this time of year. My God, I talk about them a lot. Well, I'm glad to hear that your throat issues are uh, yeah. are abating with the they're, help they're of coping. that. They're coping. Well done. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. I've been going out and doing a couple of little, very small, very light jobs, very, very last minute ones. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not too bad, thank you. Good. Yes, good days yeah. and bad, but you know. It's chemotherapy, so it's not going to be a walk in the park. Um, but anyway, moving on from all of that, um, do, any parish notices or anything before we uh, step well, headlong into this week's episode? Yes, we're sort of, we, we, we seem to have got slightly out of sync in a way. So what we yes. didn't say last week was any comments that had come in from the week before. So yes, from Adam's wonderful ago, uh, music. We had exactly lovely, lovely Adam talking music and lots of love. Uh, for that and a couple of people have already joined him on tours and Brilliant. had a had a good time and yes. um so uh yes that's... and we'll keep you in the loop for that christmas one where uh, we're gonna go and embarrass ourselves by singing hymns yes. loudly and getting kicked out of places as so that does yes. sound like a lot of fun doesn't it <laughs> that is that is good and yeah. and he's also he's very good at doing that new tours and different tours during during the summer so if you've yeah kind of had a look and there wasn't anything that caught your eye now go back again a bit and have another look at his website because yeah. he does have sort of you know different things going on and hopefully you enjoyed the uh his playlist that he put together i put that on the other day while i was unpacking and sorting it was great playlist really enjoyed it yes such Amazing. a good good mix and yeah. just yes absolutely that was fantastic. So thank you very much, Adam. And then, of course, last week we had the fabulous Philippa from British uh, History Tours talking all about Anne Boleyn. And we, I got, I mean, I got some great messages on Instagram about uh, about it. And um, I know that some people were then going back and looking at all her posts and seeing, you know, the the all the different bits that she was picking out and the downfall as it went along. And yeah, um, absolutely. And, I, and um, I, I've I've been at the Tower a few times since mm. we talked to her, and each time I'm kind of like. Gosh, yes. And it it's, you know, it's sort of I'm seeing it all with fresh eyes. Yeah. Um, and it um yeah. Absolutely. And I I did see uh, one of our colleagues was there on the day, the actual day, or maybe it was the day after, and there were, you know, flowers left on the execution site. So yeah, I'm actually going to the Tower of London tomorrow. So they might, you know, they might still be there. Um, I'll have a little look. But um, yeah, really interesting to see that it is still something that is very heavily commemorated and people, you know, um do come from all over the world to yeah. commemorate her at that site so yeah absolutely yeah. do you know uh, so one of the times I was there this week was with a lovely Canadian couple and she knew that someone in her family had a connection with the tower back in the 1500s oh okay um but then we were talking to some and there was some sort of slight sort of confusion about it but we we talked to a beef eater and mentioned a name and things and he was like oh yeah no no I remember I remember knowing about him or something okay. and we were like oh but when um but it turns out also her great maybe great grandfather was keeper of the jewels get away no oh my and goodness so uh lived lived in the bit is the sort of medieval palace b- 
bit by the river. Very nice. Um, the Desires. Yeah. So, so you, didn't, we went... you didn't find out who the 1500 person was then? No, no, that okay. we, we got so excited about the more <laughs> modern person. We didn't. <laughs> I mean, what a great thing to have, eh? Absolutely. I love it and... people have got personal, personal links. Yeah. And to be able to walk into one of those rooms and go, so, oh. so I think this is where your great, great uncle Stan used to, used to live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. It's extraordinary. Incredible. Gosh. Yeah. There we go. Well, um, this week, uh, it's just us. Yeah. It? In it fact, is. it's you. Me. We're going back Me. to the old format. Fiona's going to be doing um, a chat, which we recorded a couple of days ago. Um, so we're going to just put a little, you know, break, a little break point in here. Um, and we're going, well, do you want to introduce who we're talking about? Um, I can't remember. We probably did. No, I think we should leave it because okay. it, it'll make sense as, as it comes along, All I right. think. Well, gang, enjoy this week's podcast. Uh, we'll see you on the end. Yay. Right, well, this week, uh, it's a Fiona special. So who or what are you talking about this week? Well, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by saying something that I think might... I just want to see you roll your eyes. Okay, really, here we go. <laughs> okay, so, so um, there's quite a lot of events this year going on because it is the 300th anniversary oh, of the death of Christopher Wren. Yep. So I can report Alex, Julie, quite, <laughs> quite, a, quite a minimal eye roll. But she did, a minimal, she did, I, I, I mean, I sort of felt it coming. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, we don't, We well, one thing is we only have to wait nine years to be able to celebrate the 400th anniversary of the birth of Sir Christopher Wren. Brilliant. Surely that's a more fun thing. So let's let's hang on. Let's do that. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, going off slightly as a tangent, as we love to do, I thought let's talk about someone who uh, worked alongside Wren very kind of um, efficiently. Let's say. I bet I know who this is because you have a <laughs> you have a full on like guide crush on. I bet it's Robert Hooke. It is indeed. Is <laughs> I know yeah, you so well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I'm, and but the thing is, I I thought um, he'd be interesting to talk about, and I think there are a lot of things that are really interesting about him. Um, he is spectacularly successful in lots of ways. He's a bit of a polymath. It's an age when you can be good at lots of different things, um, and yet he is also kind of almost written out of the history books for a long time. Like he's someone who's just. I think recently his reputation has been a bit revived mm. and there are various good reasons and possibly some bad reasons for that. Um, and then now, I have to say, doing... I don't know too much about him, actually. Well, there you go. This is kind of exactly my point, because he's one of these figures who is kind of lurking nearby the big events that we know a lot about. Mm. Um, so he... Well, he's he's a, a contemporary of Christopher Wren's and kind of Pepys and Newton and things. He's born in 1635. Okay. Uh, in the Isle of Wight, on the Isle of yeah. Wight. He's one of those ones, actually, I found, like, there's quite a lot that isn't clear about him. There's some dates that are disputed and there's, so, you know, all of this stuff, take it with a little pinch of salt. He might have been born on the 28th of July. He might have been baptised on the 19th of July. That's tricky. Who knows? Uh, yeah, something. <laughs> and, and and often as a youngster, quite quite young. And um, his father is a vicar. 
Hang on, oh, hang on. Did you just say sorry. often as a youngster, he's quite young? <laughs> I really <Yeah>. enjoyed that. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes he was very old, but mostly he was quite young. When he was older, he tended to be kind of old. <laughs> he, he gradually got older as his life went on. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Young Steve is quite we, young. Try? Honestly, I, yeah. that is my favourite thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Brilliant. What, what's the word do you think I should have said instead of young? Well, I don't know because it's accurate. I don't know what you're yeah. trying to say. <laughs> As a young Steve was, I don't know. Ill. Quite, Ill. Quite there Ill. we go. <laughs> that makes so, a bit more yeah. sense. <laughs> anyway. I, think, I think to the point where... Um, in a way they had very little hope that he was going to live to to sort of adulthood and things so um yeah so, term- in, in yeah. interminably young <laughs> really yeah exactly only ever young <laughs> kind of um um but he um and it's quite hard to place his his social position in a way because um so his father was a was a clergyman uh which kind of covers a host of possibilities. You know, it's kind of respectable, mm-hmm. you know, but could could be quite influential or not or whatever. Um, he he kind of so he's a teenager during the Civil War, so and not he's quite as young. Nine, not quite as young by then. No, <laughs> and uh, what is he? He's fourteen or so when uh, Charles the First is beheaded. Okay, and I just think that that generation who especially ones who go on to be scientists and think about what the world how the world is made up and what's it like and you know in a way one of the kind of the the absolute certainties of their world is completely thrown up uh, like upended mm. when charles is is executed in terms of kind of social hierarchy and things like that um so anyway, he comes up to london first of all seemingly he's in the studio of sir peter lely oh. uh possibly who's you know a big portrait artist um but then then goes to westminster school and westminster was a little kind of royalist bubble uh Uh, in in london it still is (laughs) yeah so it's it's the school that is attached to westminster abbey yeah let's uh sort of say that and it's also where christopher wren uh was i haven't checked the dates if they were exact contemporaries um and while he was there he learned to play the organ and also, this is a quote, contrived several ways of flying. Uh, I mean, okay. I already really like this guy. <laughs> contrived several Oh, yeah. this 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 smacks of someone just jumping out of the uh, the top window with a bedsheet, doesn't it? This is brilliant. <laughs> yes. Or I mean I had I had an image more of kind of diagrams, I must oh, admit, I see. things. Which which kind of made You're me You're so think... much more logical than me. <laughs> Well, it's Max of, of sort of Leonardo yeah. Vinci and, you know, him him designing all his flying machines and things. Which this is why I'm not a scientist, because I'm just like, I'm just going to chuck myself out the top window with a bedsheet. <laughs> like, maybe let's just draw a diagram maybe, first. Let, let's just, let me just try, jump off a chair first with a bedsheet. <laughs> don't, don't go straight for the top window. <laughs> oh, dear. But he is, he is later on, one of his epitaphs, or on a monument somewhere, he's described as uh, England's Leonardo. So... Oh. There is that nice sort of link in a way. Um, and he goes up to Oxford originally as a chorister uh, mm. and kind of studies at Christchurch and then is employed as 
chemical assistant to an anatomist who then introduces him to Robert Boyle. So ah, okay. round about kind of 1658, 1652, it's, sort of, it's all a bit unclear. He comes down to London and is working for Robert Boyle and is helping, is constructing an air pump uh, for okay. Boyle. And Boyle's London laboratory was just at the bottom of Covent Garden. It was mm-hmm. at one end of Maiden Lane. Right. Um, so not not much to show for it nowadays. There might be a plaque. Not sure. I'm not sure there is actually. Um, and in 1660, uh, the Royal Society is founded. So the Royal Society is a scientific society, including Charles II as one of the members. Um, and all the big names of science of that era kind of, you know, gravitate towards it. Um, Hook is employed by them in 1662, so a little bit later, he's employed as the curator of experiments for the Royal mm. Society, and then a year later is elected as a fellow. So he curator he is in with that gang. That sounds great. Well, th- he's he is absolutely a, a practical scientist. He is really good at making stuff and doing designing experiments to prove things. Right. And it seems like this is an era where you 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 get really the um, focus on not just sort of philosophical science and and really you know science is just about starting to split into different disciplines, um, but you get you get people like Hook who are designing experiments and proving that the ideas are right. Okay. Um, but it's also you know he is he is a fellow of the society but he stays he's still the curator of experiments and that is a slightly different position to any of those other scientists who were going along watching the demonstrations so in terms of his where he fits socially he's he's sort of staff as well as member okay anyway and i think that that's an interesting thing in terms of his position um two other things that happened um that year one is his niece grace is born uh, right. we'll come back to her later um and apparently also there's aside in passing september the 25th a very precise date samuel peeps has his first cup of tea i love samuel peeps for that level of insane detail where he's like woke up this morning on the 18th of february and had an amazing fart and you're like okay cool brilliant like you just remember in history on this day samuel peeps did a great fart like he does talk about farting a lot but i love his first cup of tea it's brilliant (laughs) oh actually yeah the notion of keeping diaries again we're going to come back to that again um yeah. I'll have to do a Peeps episode at some point, I think. I don't know. There's, there's probably too much to say about him. Anyway, I digress. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so he's he's curating away experiments. Um, he is, a few years later, he's appointed Gresham College Professor of Geometry. Okay. Um, both of which, are, these are, uh, he's paid £30 a year from the Royal Society. He's paid £50 a year from the Gresham College. This is, you know, he's sort of respectable De- money. Decent and money, yeah. This money. Um, he starts to. He's proposed that ro- Jupiter rotates on its axis. Uh, at this point, he builds a particular type of telescope. He designs a lens, an iris lens for telescopes that makes them work better. He um, is using microscopes to look at. <laughs> the what were described as small drawings. <laughs> Brilliant. 
Um, so he's looking at fossils and things, the Isle of Wight, lots of fossils, yeah. you know, around that area and things. Um, so he starts to sort of accumulate this this hugely long list of things that he he worked on that he he did. Um, 1670, he kind of discovers his law of elasticity. So if you study physics at at uh, school, you might come across Hooke's law, which is all about how materials react when a force is applied to them, okay. which is good to know for springs and not just springs that are kind of like stretchy springs, but also coiled up wire that makes a spring for a clock or a watch. Okay. So he he designs a new store sort of um, spring mechanism. And he's working with um, Thomas Tompion, who does the clocks mm-hmm. for the Royal uh, Astronomy. Uh, you mentioned Royal him Observatory many, many moons ago when we talked about yeah, Greenwich and the uh, all the stuff going on down there. Yeah. Yep. Um, one of his lesser celebrated things Hook does, he invents the counterbalance weights which are used in sash windows. Brilliant. Which is not a sort of amazing scientific breakthrough, but most of central London has yeah. Georgian housing with sash windows. In fact, is that one behind you? Is that one just here? Yes. Yes. So in that, <laughs> in here, okay, there's a there's a bit of secondary glazing over the top of it now but but there is a sash window and inside that making that work easily and smoothly and effectively is uh, a, a weight design now that is quite nerdily cool and i mean you said one of his lesser you know lesser developments i guess but i, I actually quite enjoy that one because i can exactly picture what it is yeah um, absolutely and and i i i love him because he has quite an impact on london in a way, in various ways. I'll, I'll come back to architecture in a bit. Um, he also he invented an air gun. Right. He constructed the first wheel barometer and created okay. weather I'm monitoring. Sure I know what that is. Uh, things. No, I'm not sure. He, he also invented the first instrument in England for measuring wind strength. Okay. Uh, he was the first person to use the word cell to describe the tiniest components of plants and living systems and things. So, you know, with his microscope, looking at the way things work he also looked at fossils that things that don't exist anymore and he came up with the idea that therefore they must have died out so extinction is an idea which he kind of Hmm. proposes um this this uh, is quite bizarre because he seems to have created and developed and researched so many things why do we not know his name more well so ah there's a story yeah so he he um because he was doing the 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 curating of stuff for the royal society it's like every week he had to do a demo or every month or whatever it was however often their meetings are so he would do these practical demonstrations of stuff and he would have sort of maybe an idea about it and then other people would go ah great and exactly as they were supposed to be do be inspired and they'd go away and they'd spend longer researching it Mm. and then they would take those ideas further okay let's say and build on them and things um and he throughout his life felt quite aggrieved and got into a lot of arguments with people about who should actually get the credit for stuff so um there was a um, i think he's dutch um 
uh, Huygens? 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 How do you spell it? Uh, H U Y G E N S. Huygens, then I think probably. Huygens. Okay. <laughs> so he he later came up with the the idea of the spring that Hook said, "Well, hang on, I I invented that already." Kind of. So he gets into a fight with him. Okay. Most famously, he gets into a fight with Newton. Ah. Because Hook had an idea about the the inverse what later becomes the inverse square law that um gravity uh the, the the way that mass affects movement and it's not exactly gravity but it's to do with planetary motion and how how the mass of planets affect their motion okay. and things like that um so basically hook kind of said look i came up with the idea of gravity you just did the maths to prove right. it <laughs> And you spent three years, it was however long Newton spent. And Newton was very dogged. One of Newton's things is he kept going when everyone else gave up on a thing mm. because he would just chug through it and get to the end. So he does deserve the credit for doing the maths. That is a big deal in itself. But um, Hook thought he should get more more reference for the kind of some of the original sparks for the idea. Interesting. Whatever. That often happens, um, doesn't it, that two people collaborate on something and one person gets the gets the accolades and the other person sort of gets shelved a little bit. Absolutely. Um, and because Newton was the kind of the massive name, you know, he is absolutely the, the seen as the grandfather of sort of modern science and things in this country. So at the time and for quite a long time afterwards, lots of people kind of sided with Newton. So Hook is very definitely kind of sidelined a bit. Okay. And I mean... I don't know the ins and outs of it, whether uh, whether Hook's claim was reasonable or not. It, it seems like he definitely he definitely had some input, but whether it was worth getting a credit or not from Newton, who knows? Mm. Um, the same thing uh, kind of happens with architecture, in that Hook worked alongside Christopher Wren in Wren's office so Wren's office builds 51 churches after the great fire of london mm. hook worked on quite a lot of them but it's Wren's office and therefore Wren's name that kind of yeah. gets attached to most of them um which is sort of like architecture can... firms now i suppose isn't it really not i mean Absolutely. i suppose not quite the same because yeah. I, I guess you know but anyway well, no, yeah. because we talk about a norman foster building or richard yeah. rogers building and they they don't design every line of their buildings no. true you know um, Hawksmoor also worked in Wren's office and then mm. later on kind of does things in his own right and stuff. And and Hook also does go on and do buildings in his own right. So he um, designed he designed the Royal College of Physicians. He designed the Bridewell. He... Oh. I, oh, I wanted to check this, double check this one. Designed and built Montague House, which was the first home in the British Museum. And I don't remember oh. that being referenced anywhere else. So I'm don't, don't lean on that one. Okay. But it, it's in this particular list. Um, he rebuilt Bedlam, the uh, the Royal Bethlehem Hospital mm -hmm. uh, in Moorgate. Um, trouble is, most of these buildings have now gone. So, you know, there aren't, we don't have a lot of his buildings still surviving. There's a couple of churches um, around and quite a few country houses that he built for people. Um, he was co-designed the monument with Christopher oh, Wren. Always famously just a Christopher and, Wren building. Uh, um, 
Well, not on my tour, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he did quite a lot of mathematics about curves, different, um, there is a ter- uh, the, the quaternary curve, which um, is used quite a lot for the dome. So bits of the dome of St. Paul's owe okay. a huge amount to, to Hook, um, amongst other things. He was also one of the surveyors after the Great Fire of London. Oh. So there were, was it either four or six um, surveyors, two, half of them appointed by the city and half by the royals. And Hook was one of the city ones. And he was the the youngest and the fittest of them. And he did a lot of walking the streets. Interesting. Um, he was also the first person that you would go to if you had a dispute about where your building should be or where your boundary should be. You'd go to Robert Hook first. Okay. And if he couldn't get it sorted out, then you'd go to the fire judges. So there was oh. a whole whole system of judges set up to adjudicate disputes. But before that, Robert Hook was the first person to go to. And he he was someone who would have been recognised on the streets of London by a lot of people. You know, he, he could go to court and he didn't necessarily fit in at court. He wasn't aristocratic, but he, he could hold his own at oh. court. But he could also walk down the street and... Uh, you know, people, tradesmen and people would, would know him and kind of recognise him and things. Um, it's tempting always to think of him and Wren as, as kind of friends. And there's some, like, they don't they don't go out for dinner together ever. <laughs> they don't really socialise. It seems like actually it was a very efficient working partnership, but, right. but not necessarily particularly friendly. Okay. Well, Much like us. In a way... <laughs> yeah we never speak no we never see each other um he he's not an easy person to like okay interesting uh i'm gonna say so he was um uh quite argumentative as we've already kind of much like uh, us uh, well yeah god when we start oh um he's um he's quite crotchety really he's quite grumpy a lot of the time he's a bit of a hypochondriac um and forever dosing himself with remedies and purges and whatever and things which might not have helped him in the long run um there is there's a couple of physical so we don't have any portraits of him and this is what i was thinking i was like i can't i can't picture his face so that would explain it so quite often people find a painting and they think they go, ah, oh, we think this, this might be him. And then a little bit later on, someone goes, ah, it's probably not. So right. a couple of times we've had possibilities of portraits that might be him. There is one which is a portrait of a mathematician, okay. um, which may be him, but right. as yet, you know, un- unconfirmed. That seems like quite a big um, oversight, actually, doesn't it? For someone who was, like you say, really quite well known and quite a, a figure. Yeah. And we know we know he sat for at least one portrait and the name of the artist is not particularly well known and not not really sort of identifiable um there's also a suggestion one of the ones that was thought to be him for quite a while was um used to hang in the house of the is he the 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 chairman or the director or the, the the president of the royal society until um the uh newton was president and then it didn't hang there anymore so there is a kind of conspiracy theory that newton might have um 
kind of, you know, taken away the portrait because of this. Right. Okay. So it may just be potluck. It may be, and it, it also might affect, um, reflect where he sits in the kind of social scale of things that he's not quite of the class of people who would have a portrait mm. apart from all this stuff that he's done. But yeah, yeah possibly. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We do have a couple of descriptions. One is slightly more sympathetic. Um <laughs> The the other one is a description from a man called Richard Waller who wrote a biography quite quite soon after he died or, or sort of almost contemporary, um, and it is it's a description of the elderly Hook by by then really kind of embittered over his um, uh, his his kind of discoveries or his you know that, that he hasn't got the credit right um, okay. so, so this is um Waller, Waller's description as to his person he was but despicable being oh. very crooked <laughs> though I've heard from himself and others that he was straight till about 16 years of age when he first grew awry by frequent practicing with a turn lathe okay. he was always very pale and lean and latterly nothing but skin and bone with a meagre aspect, his eyes grey and full, with a sharp, ingenious look whilst younger, his nose, uh, sorry, his nose but thin, of moderate height and length, his mouth meanly wise and upper lip, his chin sharp, his forehead large, his head of a middle size. He wore his own hair of a dark brown colour, very long and hanging neglected over his face, uncut. And lank. Do you know who he's reminding me of? Um, <laughs> Snape, <laughs> Professor Snape, from uh, the Harry Potter yeah, books. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the 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 lank hair is. Yeah, the sort of pointy absolutely. chin and the yeah, just. It yeah. sounds like he's just got a bit of a mean face. Yes. And and also hunched over from too much turn using a lathe and whatever and and somewhere else he's noted having a, 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 a powerful body odor as well oh, which okay doesn't help so he's not an easy person to love mm. in a way and did any of this about his physical appearance feed into him being not appreciated in which case i think we Maybe. would say well that's that's wrong you know that that seems mm. um, inappropriate and whatever. Um, or is there another reason? And I suspect this wasn't the reason because I suspect at the time it wasn't so problematic as it perhaps might be now. So the reason I've kept this bit of information to the end is because I only discovered it quite recently, and um, I want to give you the experience that I had when okay. I um, read up a bit more. So um, he kept diaries. Mm. Uh, and being a good scientist, he keeps very good records of, um, you know, his symptoms and what he was like and what he ate and quite possibly his bowel movements and his farts. Fantastic. All sorts of things. 
also had a little symbol that he used to indicate whenever he had an orgasm. Oh. And from this, we know that not only was he sleeping with, where he slept with, he was never married, he slept with at least one of his um, housekeepers. Right. Who, we don't know how long she worked for him, I think, because we don't know when she started, but um, seemingly after she left the household, still had a very, like they still had an ongoing sort of, you know, friendly relationship and she knew her sister might have been from the Isle of Wight and various things. So, so, and if you sleep with one house, uh, <laughs> housekeeper, housekeeper, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a, a consensual, perfectly fine thing. Yeah. Maybe with a question mark, Go on, uh, how many does he sleep with? but there's a possibility that he kind of slept with another four or five oh, and that they dear. were each of them only in his house really for about six months. When you look at the, which kind of then you go, okay, well, maybe that's why they left. And, you know, there's a whole host of issues, obviously. But so now now we're suddenly getting into Samuel Pepys' territory. Mm. But not only that, um, his uh, niece, Grace, who came to live with him uh, when she was 10, um, by the time she is 16... He's sleeping with her. Oh, no, really? Oh, come on. Come on. Genuinely. So, yeah, that that's that's that was pretty much exactly what (laughs) I because I read a biography about four or five years ago, and I don't think it mentioned that. And I I mean, I'm sure I would have noticed, you know, Um, so I don't know whether it's but but it's in his diary. You know, it's it's not like so, so. At one place, it says slept with Grace, and again, you could possibly go. Well, maybe, maybe they just shared bed, maybe. But no, later on, there is, you know, the orgasm symbol and Grace, and right. so like, you know, we have the evidence, uh, which is sadly what he was all about as a scientist. But it's yeah. Sometimes biographers, though, they they write the biography because they're obsessed with that person, and they don't necessarily want anything majorly untoward. But I don't know. Yeah. God. so disappointing and th- this is why so when i when i read that bit about him recently i was kind of because i was thinking about talking about him for the pod and i was like oh what do i do about this uh <laughs> and i thought okay well let's let's not talk about him and then i was like well um, but actually it's a thing like as guides there are lots of people that we talk about who mm. are good and bad yeah both absolutely. at once and it, you know, you have to find a way of negotiating through it. And uh, I haven't quite found. And also, I think, I mean, with scientists, also the same debate that you have with artists is: can you separate the beautiful artwork that someone creates from the life of that person? Can we enjoy the artwork? It's a very valid question, and, and it. it's a it's a difficult should one. Should I still it be is. should I be opening my sash windows? <laughs> break them now <laughs> yeah but it is that thing isn't it i mean i think often history we're very um quite i don't know quite used to talking about the amazing things that people did and making them into it's very you know very black and white you're either a good yeah. character or you're a bad character in history and let's face it most people aren't like that some are um some are just genuinely abjectly awful humans um 
but most people are a grey scale in between and you know some people make mistakes as well which doesn't necessarily yeah. make them a bad person but also there it does mean that there is a chapter that is not quite you know, I think we're all the same we've yeah. all done stuff that we're I mean hopefully not to the level of sleeping with our nieces but you know we've all done stuff yeah. that we're not as proud of or it maybe isn't brilliant or whatever none of us are crystal clear and at the same time all usually anyway all bad I mean there's a couple of notable exceptions but um so it is tricky but and I think when we are guiding we, we talk about people and often you'll have a, a short but you know you're not going to be talking about them for three hours generally you'll no, talk about them for five minutes ten minutes so you can't distill yeah. everything into that and it, it's tricky to you know you have to sort of pick your battles I guess yeah but it's, this is and why I we think... do these things like this is to, is to talk about these things and to and to give a more nuanced look at these people yeah and if also I mean it, it, if when you're listening to this if you have a strong kind of reaction or a thought about what what would you want to know like i'm i'm hmm. it'd be genuinely useful to know what people think about it so do get in touch and let us yeah. know and things i think with you know with quite a lot of people i have a kind of a one line summary of who they are mm. which if they're just kind of pop up in passing it and then i have a sort of paragraph that i might talk about if they're you know got a little bit more time and then there's something you know you might do a tour about a person or indeed a you know, an hour long thing like this or whatever, in which case you've got time to delve into it. Mm. But should should that, should my one line be uh, of Robert Hooke be, you know, amazing scientific polymath architect who sleeps with his niece. With his daughter, his niece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, and that's the thing, because in a way, in a way, you sort of, paragraph, but... in, you know, in a way it, it's, it's not relevant if you're talking about him yeah. as... Uh, you know talking about his work exactly so in a way is it relevant um but it also but but also is relevant because yeah to not mention it because it 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 doesn't normalize it but it it feels like it should be there as a little red flag of Mm. just go oh but by the way um if you're interested in people yeah. in history, do a bit more digging. Because, but, well, but the good thing is now, more. Fiona, whenever you're talking about him on a on a walk, you can say he's he's a nuanced character. I've got a whole podcast episode about him. Here well, you go. Yes. <laughs> absolutely, and I will will absolutely be pointing yeah. people towards towards <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> and he is also one of those people who does pop up, or can pop up in all sorts of places because mm. he he did so many things he has a memorial at westminster abbey um not in scientist corner because that's a bit too close to newton Mm, yeah well quite (laughs) he is up by he's quite close to the high altar he's up by um busby so um what was his name mr busby dr busby uh who was the head teacher at westminster school where's that then i don't know so it's somewhere where we don't see it very often but if you i think if you go i did go and look for it one time i think if you go and stand next to the pulpit it's somewhere it's up on the raised bit it's well now i'm just trying to imagine i can't remember it's it's a kind of ben johnson sized one it's a little square right okay um and there's there's Dr. Busby and there's Robert Hook and it, it it just sort of it just says Robert Hook I think it doesn't I think it doesn't have a lot of extra 
info. Although we can probably dig out a photo. Where's he actually the, buried? Show notes and things. Ha! So he was buried at. Uh, ooh, my mind's gone blank. St Helens, Bishopsgate. Oh, okay. In the city of London, but when that was cleared out for uh, sort of in the eighteen fifties, when they when they cleared out all the kind of churches and graveyards in the city mm. the city of london bought a big plot out to the east in ilford and um set up a cemetery there and i think therefore he he got he got moved out but not as an individual so some of the churches have individual burials from specific churches or from churchyards but yeah. quite a lot of them just have this is st mary's or this is st helen's gotcha so he's in a sort of mass grave out there he does also have a monument in St Paul's Cathedral yeah which is right alongside Christopher Wren's Mm -hmm. and there it talks about him as the most ingenious man who ever lived which is a pretty that's a flex that's a a bit of a stretch maybe (laughs) because I think there's a few contenders in there (laughs) well and one of the things I like about him as well is he designed a variety of experiments that he couldn't do because the equipment wasn't accurate enough. Okay. But people have since gone and done them, and he was right. And, you know, his, his predictions of what it would be were correct. And we we sort of remember um, Phyllis Pearsall for doing the A to Z, mm-hmm. but actually he did maps of London, you know, in, in part of surveying after the Great Fire and things, he produced maps of, of London that... Um, were to various different scales like he 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 produced a quite a rough map of the city i think but but also at other times he was working at like minuscule levels of detail so he he suited what he was doing for the purpose that yeah. it was needed and things and he's one of the people who designed a kind of new layout for the city which didn't get built it was really right. rigid grid that that we didn't use and things um hmm. So do you he... mention... Oh, go on. Well, I was going to say, he spent... Um, he uh, he lived uh, at Gresham College. The Royal Society was based at Gresham College when it first started. So he had lodgings at Gresham College, which I think he, he lived in through the rest of his life. And that was... Um, it actually moved at one point, but it ends up being near Hoban. Right. Um, so... Um, but there are quite a few, you know, buildings and things around London that uh, he was involved in. Um, and I was just going to say, yeah, he he towards the end of his life he died seventeen oh three. He was sixty seven, and spent uh, his last year kind of mostly blind and kind of bedridden, and perhaps um, all of the remedies and purges and various things he tried to dose himself mm. up with for years actually um did him more harm than good and how old was he when he yeah. died so 1703 30, 67 60, 67 okay yeah. yeah so he uh he would have seen st paul's cathedral with the brick cone in mm. place and some of the lantern but he would never have seen it with the dome finished, because the yeah. outer dome wasn't finished uh before he died um and so do you mention him on your famous square mile walk which you're doing on the 1st of june uh 
sometimes, yes, because we meet by the monument. Yes, yeah, right. so he, he definitely okay. gets a mention as a as a co-designer of the monument and the fact that they designed it not really as a monument but as a um, as a laboratory. Scientific, they yeah. dropped things down the stairwell. They swung pendulums. You know, they did all sorts of stuff yeah. uh, with it. Um, he does have a plaque near the monument as well, which is quite nice because it it. Uh, that's the one that talks about him as England's Leonardo, and it it details some of the fields that he was interested in. So you know, horologist and paleontologist, and and it, it, it it's in that age, you don't have to spend your life focusing on one particular thing mm. to be good at it. So yeah. you can be good at quite a lot of different things. And then also because of his role doing the experiments, he he kind of had to do stuff that other people were interested in as well because they would request demonstrations on something so then he'd yeah. have to go away and kind of produce the right things um so yeah uh, oh and grace his niece yeah. when she first comes up to london she is um contracted to marry the son of bloodworth who's bloodworth thomas bloodworth who is uh the lord mayor of london in 1666 Oh, oh. A, la- a lady could piss it out. Blood I don't think I've ever known his name, actually. Oh, really? Interesting, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so she so does marry she... him, or she just... Initial... It's not quite clear. She She's due to marry him, and then some, like, three years later, it's it doesn't... They're kind of disputing it, and five years later they go to court and it's it's sort of annulled but it's it's described as a divorce so it's not quite clear whether it's just whether they actually get married and then divorce or whether they it's a kind of right okay whatever it is doesn't get to that stage um at which point she's about 15 ew so and oh so starts sleeping with her after that does he after that yes yeah. Poor girl. Um, he does also, there are times when he says, oh, oh, I must get rid of Grace or like or must try and make plans for Grace to go back to yeah, the Isle killing, of Wight mate. and things. So it, it feels like he does have a certain amount of awareness that this is not <laughs> ideal. Not enough um, to stop though, eh? But not enough to stop. No, exactly. And she she's with him, more or less living with him and, and, and becomes kind of housekeeper for him effectively um she dies of i think smallpox in 1687 oh wow so, so she's not even she's 27 jeez yeah but seemingly also has relationships with other people and possibly has an illegitimate daughter with someone in the isle of wight someone who might actually be the mayor of the isle of wight or oh my goodness see, I mean, it's there there's a there's a whole yeah, a whole episode on her, maybe. <laughs> Goodness me. Well, possibly, wow. but also it's quite hazy. It's all it's all quite hazy, and um, might be some of it might be conjecture. Like so, there's not everyone agrees. Right. All of it. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so, so. much, Fiona, for a, a, a very <laughs> enlightening, um, if not entirely, I don't know, tasteful. Um, yeah, rendering of yeah. the story of, of of Robert Hooke. Very interesting, and and clearly an important guy with a lot of um, sort of legacy, um, but also a bit of darkness and ickiness yeah. as well in there. 
But thank yeah. you. I never knew so, so much about him. So wonderful. No, so there you go, Phil. And, and, so and I like the fact that he's on the shadows. He's like nearby. Yeah. Actually, another thing, if people want to know more about um, now, is he one of the ones who's actually mentioned? Uh, if you want to know more about that era, which I think is, I, I find very fascinating. We, um, there is a book called The Phoenix by Leo Hollis. Okay. which focuses on about four or five people in the aftermath of the Great Fire of London. Um, right. And that's that's a very good read. Oh, brilliant. I'll put it on the list. Thanks, Fiona. Yeah. My pleasure. Well, there we go. Thanks for that, Fiona. <laughs> that was such, <laughs> such an amazing chat. And yeah, what a... What a uh, a conundrum um, you left us with at the end, but uh, mm. fabulous. Thank you so um, much. It's one of the lovely things about guiding is that lots of people do other things before they go into guiding and mm. have their own areas of expertise and, and obviously their own areas of interest as well and things. So, yeah. um, you know, even amongst guides, it's amazing how some people can know quite a lot about some stuff and mm. other people know the name, but not like not much more. Stuff, so, we, yeah. yeah. Um, amazing yeah. well before we leave you uh this week gang um well Fiona any any upcoming tours or anything you want to shout about I'm I'm still not doing much touring at the minute I know a few people have emailed to ask if I'm touring I'm it, I, I can't plan at the minute to be honest so I'm if you happen to be in town uh last minute and I'm feeling okay I could do some tours but I'm not planning things too far out because I just don't know at the minute but um I'm still doing stuff on social media but you are doing tours, aren't you? What have you got? I am doing wanna... tours. I've got um, some of my regular ones, the um, Famous Square Mile and the Blitz, yeah. uh, which are both on Thursdays. I think I'm doing the 1st of June for those. And Oh, and the 7th of June, I'm doing another different version of a city walk called Old London. Um, so... Um, uh, get yourself involved if you want to if you're in london you fancy doing a tour with fiona just drop her a message on socials or yes. an email and, and she can send can you, you details right or, that's but, the best yeah anything else and you want to shout about oh yeah also, call yes. my eye mm. um uh the depot of the london transport museum oh, is having fun. their open day fairly soon so that is the i think it's the weekend of the 16th 16th 17th and I think it's the 18th as well uh, June. of June and the London Transport Museum in Covent Garden is fabulous but they also have this depot out in Acton where they have masses more stuff yeah. big stuff buses really, and all that yeah vintage stuff and really nerdy stuff. I love it really, I, yeah yeah and they have um, a mock-up of a tram for when we if we were going to get trams running over Waterloo Bridge again there is there is the tram there with the map of where all the stops would have been and you're like oh that's so tantalizing we should have had this i don't think i saw i think when i went which was during covid i think they were doing a whole heap of work and i don't think everything was open when i went uh, there was a load okay. of stuff but i vaguely remember them saying oh yeah this bit isn't open at the minute so yeah. maybe that was in there i don't think i saw that bit. i think also it's the sort of place you can wander around and easily miss stuff because yeah. there's there's such a lot and it's a bit kind of higgledy piggledy and but it's a great day out yeah but, where um, where can people find out um, info on that? Uh, probably the London Transport Museum 
website um and and with all of their stuff i always recommend if you're interested it's worth signing up as a um you can sign up for the newsletter you can become a friend or you can just sign up for the newsletter which gets you emails about things slightly ahead of the crowd uh, and given that some of their events do book up Well, good. Well, well done for the heads up on that. Thank you very much. Um, well, that's it for this week, gang. Um, thanks for coming along. We'll see you next week when it's going to be one of mine. Um, I'm not going to tell you what yet, but it is a list of requests. Oh. Uh, so if you've requested something recently, it might be yours. Um, oh. So we'll see you then. See you next week. Yeah. Have a Excellent. great one. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.